Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be jumping into a number of UK equities and looking at the key themes out there in markets at the moment. And to do that, we're once more very kindly joined by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being with us today. Hi, John. Good to be back. How are you? Yes, yes. Very well. Thank you. Very well. Very busy week out there in markets. So very much looking forward to the weekend. But before we get there, we're going to be recording this podcast this morning, Alan, which is really going to be a review of of this week to some extent and what's been happening out there because we've hit the major milestone in the FTSE 100 of 8,000. We really smashed through that level yesterday. I think that we went up to a high of about 8,040. Before it's eased back, there have been some concerns over the United States about what's happening with interest rates. So that did impact us here in the UK. And we and we did see some selling yesterday afternoon. And, and indeed, this morning, we saw the FTSE dip quite significantly beneath that 8,000. Although in the last half an hour or so before we recorded this, it's, it's picked up and now only 10 points away from that psychological level of, of 8,000. Alan, but when you're looking at what's been happening this week, it's really been a, a story of inflation. We had you know, United States, their CPI rate falling down to 6.4%, slightly less than last month. In the UK, it fell down to 10.1%. So there is a consensus now building that we're going to see inflation rates trending towards the, the downside. And that, of course, has been taken relatively well by markets that are looking then to central banks and thinking, well, you're going to be at some point in the near future really not hiking as much as uh, as previously thought. Of course, there's going to be more rate hikes this year, but they're going to be sort of towards the lower end, 25 basis points than the prior 50 basis points that we've seen. And that's, that's a positive uh, mm. for markets, Alan, of course, not just here in the UK, but in the United States. So when you're looking at this data that we've got this this week, do you share that sentiment that we're now in a situation that we've seen peak inflation and it's very much looking towards a situation where we don't see the detrimental impact on economies that we may have seen if we saw higher inflation? And what does that mean for you, Alan, for, for equities? Well, I think it's, I very much hope we have seen peak inflation, John. Um, I believe we have. Um, I think all of the indicators are there pointing to that because, of course, this, this, this was largely based on fuel and energy prices because all of a sudden uh, ru- uh, the Russian supply was cut off, cut off the world. Alternative plans are now in place and, uh, and it, you know, the the global economy, the companies driving the global economy have 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 worked doubly hard to source uh, to work with the governments to source alternative supplies, and that's now really bearing fruit. And I think um, it's happened pretty quickly too. We uh, we've seen we've seen uh, news this morning, uh, uh, you know, across a number of the wires, um, a, a survey of global fund managers last November. Um, 
70% of that sample expected a, a full on recession. Um, that survey was redone again a day or so ago. Only 24% of the, the, that, that fund manager survey now expect a recession. Um, that's the that's the Bank of, um, Bank of America Global Research. So so that's a huge improvement. Uh, you know that really is a, a big change in sentiment. And of course, you know we're seeing markets push to new highs. We saw we were saying just now we saw the the FTSE punch through eight thousand, hit intraday uh, um, eight thousand forty, and of course now it's just hovering below the eight thousand mark. So I think um, I think we're going to see further drivers from um, pushing pushing the markets on. Um, and particularly as inflation starts to come down, the cost of living will start to come down. However, um, in the US, we still have the spectre of interest rates. I think uh, um, Goldman Sachs is saying they expect uh, further rate rises. I think three further rate rises during the year. Uh, the Bank of England will uh, more or less certainly follow suit. So the cost of living, uh, you know, the cost of borrowing will still increase. And and that's a factor, obviously, for savers. Uh, you know, it's it's opened up a... Uh, some new opportunities on the saving front if you have cash but certainly for borrowers you know that that is something that will temper their decisions on spending perhaps uh, getting a mortgage whatever in the future but i think overall um certainly for the economy uh, um you know we narrowly avoided recession as we know although it certainly feels like it, doesn't it? it feels like a recession but I, th- I think the i think going forward we are we're now in a good position uh, and I think uh, we have, shall we say, countered to a certain extent the economic threat from uh, from Russia uh, um, and the implications and ramifications of what turning off those uh, energy supplies might mean for the world. Um, so very encouraging, uh, you know, and I think you've got to take, you've got to look at that fund manager survey because these are the guys that, have their finger on the pulse you know they're managing billions of dollars all over the world you know those guys are very much uh, you know at the cutting edge of uh, of trying to predict where the markets are going to go and with that sort of return that's uh, that to me is pretty indicative of um, of a, a significant improvement in the market and further improvements to come Yes, so it's quite interesting. Cause I had a guest on earlier on this week, Alan. We were talking about the tech, uh, tactical setup in the FTSE 100 at the moment, and really looking at this psychological level of eight thousand. You know, it, it's it's a headline grabber, uh, of course, because it's a it's a big round number. But you know, really, when you're looking at it, nothing's really changed in in markets apart from we've we've crept past very briefly this level but it's you know sort of looking at the bigger picture there looking at inflation and looking at where stocks particularly here in the UK have come over the past three to four months and and where we are now yes we're in a situation now where as you say fund managers now uh, have reduced the number of them have reduced uh, that that see a recession coming forward and we're we're seeing softer rhetoric from central banks on interest rates. So it looks as though there's going to be favorable favorable conditions there. So this global recession that we were talking about at the end of last year looks like it may be avoided now. But in terms of markets, from your perspective, given that we've come such a, such a long way in, in a short period, do you feel that we grind higher from here? Or do you think there's still some economic data that that could come out which could cause a wobble in markets 
which then could present uh, a buying opportunity as we then move through to, to a recovery at the at the end of this year? Or do you think people are, are looking at the, at the markets and thinking, well, you know, things aren't going to be as bad as they, they first were. And, okay, we might see some softer economic conditions, but it's a relatively positive environment for equities and it just leads to a lower volatility volatility environment for for stocks going forward i think we're going to see continued volatility john i have no doubt about that but um i think what the indices are doing they're, they're climbing this wall of worry aren't they um yes there are concerns and yes investors are nervous but the markets are powering higher so Everyone's going to go for go go. Well, I say everyone. Uh, I think most investors will go with the flow on this because you know it, it, the trend is your friend. But um, there there is there is plenty of room for for shocks and um, economic upsets. But I think I think uh, what we're seeing uh, in today's environment is uh, is a very good read on where the economy is going. And uh, you know there are so many. AI models out there that work on the markets and predict the markets. So, so in a sense, um, the volatility that we would have seen years ago would tend to be less so because um, the rhetoric coming from the uh, fr- from the U.S. Central Bank, the European Central Bank, and the Bank of England will be very much tailored to that scenario. So, uh, I I think we I think there is still plenty of room for shock, and of course, I think uh, the Predominant, uh, predominantly, um, that shock, if it comes, will come from the Russia-Ukraine conflict. So, if there's a ramping up, if there is, you know, if there is, God forbid, a a nuclear missile launch, then of course that's going to be a shock. Um, uh, but uh, but I think the rest of it is fairly well, or it's fairly predictable, and it, uh, there's there is uh, a decent amount of visibility going forward. That I think investors and certainly, you know, the people that are making the decisions and telling us or, and providing the forecasts, I think that now is better than ever. And I, I don't. I think we'll have volatility, but that volatility will only come from one area, and that's uh, the unpredictability of the conflict in, in the Ukraine. Indeed, indeed. So now, Alan, let's move on to the companies we're going to discuss today. So it's been a busy week for UK banks, FTSE 100 listed banks. Uh, We had Barclays earlier on in the week, which had a a decent set of results for for last year, Um, you know, given given what's happened. There's obviously some issues there with um, their bond trading. There's litigation cases there and, of course, impairment charges coming in. Um, there were some concerns about their outlook. Shares were down heavily. I think at one point on the day they were down nine, eight or nine percent. We had Standard Chartered yesterday, relatively positive. Of course, they're emerging markets um, focused entities, so slightly different market. This morning we have Nats West again. Their shares are down, Alan, and it's very much on the outlook because the figures from last year weren't actually that bad, were they? No, it was a good set of numbers. Um, uh, full year profits rose by more than a third, um, and and of course, uh, w- w- of course, with these surging interest rates, banks are now able to earn interest on their funds on deposit, which of course, uh, you know, is adds a adds a whole new dimension of revenues to 
to their books. But again, along with the other banks, a net impairment charge of 337 million. Um, but that pre-tax profit number of 5.1 billion from 2022 is a 33.5% increase um, in line with forecasts. And it represents NatWest's biggest uh, earnings uh, number since the financial crash of 2000 and, uh, 2008. And of course, I mean, we're coming up now to that's uh, that's uh, basically 14, 15 years ago. Um, and still the bank is, uh, is 46% owned by the taxpayer. And of course, that goes back to that 45 billion uh, government bailout that uh, took place at the time. But NatWest is paying a dividend, a final divvy of 10p was paid um and uh, that that uh, the, the the bank uh, going forward expects to achieve uh, return on equity of sub between 14 and 16 percent um the impairment charge um uh, the bank sort of uh, points to the, the latest uh, macroeconomics and of course the, uh, the 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 fact that um credit conditions are fairly benign at the moment levels of default are remaining low but Alison Rose, the chief exec there, said that although they weren't yet seeing financial distress amongst their customers, they're acutely aware that many people are suffering. So, of course, um, that's a, that's a factor that could well come to bite the banks in the backside a little further down the road. But if the interest rates, as I said just now, if those are managed and they are on the way down and um, the visibility continues to be managed well, then that it it uh, it won't come uh, hopefully as too much of a shock. So, um, so 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 going forward, I mean, NatWest still looks in good shape. I think the numbers this morning, uh, it, you know, we we see drop this morning, but that reflects really what's been a, a very strong run uh, for the shares since uh, the the uh, shares hit a low of two hundred twelve p back in October last year, and of course we're. We've seen year highs of well over three pounds a share, three pounds thirteen. Shares down at two eighty seven p this morning. Down well, they, they were down uh, about eight percent to start with, but um, they're now coming back. So it, it, it's possible, given this market, and if the FTSE punches back through eight thousand today, we could well see shares return uh, return back to positive territory before the day's out. Yes, it certainly looks as though that there was a, there was a knee-jerk reaction in NatWest share price uh, this morning. It's you know, it, 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 I mean, it's it's grinding back up, um, but it, it's Climbing still that a wall of worry. <laughs> it is, it, it is indeed. And, you know, you, you're obviously looking at a situation now with NatWest, and I think where some of the the early concern came from was. This the impairment charges that they put down for for the last year. Um, you know, it was only three hundred forty-one million. When I think there's some questions being asked whether that is going to increase in the year going forward. So, of course, profit before impairment charges um, five point four billion, and then after after those charges, take it down to to five point. Uh, one is a huge, huge increase in profit from last year, but I think it's again the outlook. It's questions being asked about what's going to be happening next year, which is causing the concerns yeah. here for for NatWest, and it, it really goes back to what we were speaking earlier on in the the podcast, Alan. And if we see better economic conditions than than previously feared, that's going to be a real positive uh, for for NatWest. Yeah. So I think this is one. It's you know the the UK banks always look as 
both a, a facilitator and a beneficiary of, of the UK economy. So depending on how that plays out uh, next year, that's going to be the big uh, the, the big mover for NatWest shares. You know what they're doing as a business uh, internally, you know, seems to be good, but it's it's what happens uh, in the economy and what they have to do to react to that's really going to be driving their share price. So very interesting sector to be keeping a, a an eye on at this point as we get these earnings to come through, and we've got some more to be coming up next week. And I'm sure we're going to be updating the market when we get those because they're always a good sector. To keep an eye on. So we're going to move on now, Alan, to the second company we're going to discuss today, Tech Capital. There's been another update from one of their portfolio companies this morning, which adds to a raft of exciting news so far this year in 2023. So what's the latest update from them? Well, it's good to see the tech, share, the tech capital share price is starting to really move back uh, uh, quite strongly. Again, you know, um, the low on the fifteenth on the thirteenth uh, of June, I think uh, that was fifteen point five p. Shares now just over what twenty point four p. And uh, they're up again this morning, a further four percent on news from one one of their investee companies. So just to recap on Tech Capital, of course, uh, Tech Capital specialises in bringing university IP, spinning it out into the commercial sector. Of course, where. Uh, very familiar with this process. We're based at the Sussex Innovation Centre, which is an incubator that um, was set up initially to spin university projects out into the commercial sector. And um, te- Tech Capital has really taken that model and run with it and uh, and, and put it put it at a different level. It has a it has a platform and a network for investors that literally is connected to every university. Um, throughout the world, um, and through this, through through this uh, this uh, this asset or, or this portfolio that you can access via their app, you can specify if you're an investor the companies you want to invest in or, or the type of technology you want to invest in, and up will come the companies that are working in that field. So it's a really great way for early stage investors to get in. Of course, there are all the benefits uh, that come with that, so, uh, a lot of tax breaks, but uh, yeah, you know, also significant risk in some cases too. So tech has that, but as a, as, a, as a driver of value also, they have four key investments. And of course, we've, we've heard a lot about these uh, companies over the past year. They have uh, Lucid or Innovative Eyewear that was IPO'd, that IPO'd on NASDAQ uh, last autumn. And um, the company, uh, uh, when it IPO'd, the shares dipped off um, originally, but uh, they're now powering back and that's helping to power the tech share price um, higher. Um, but of course, uh, uh, Lucid, Innovative Eyewear, they have, they've got intelligent glasses uh, which utilize Bluetooth um, to access uh, access services uh, via the glasses. Um, they also have an investment into a company called Microsalt, which produces uh, salt grains, which are 30% smaller than conventional salt grains, all the flavor, uh, far less sodium, and of course, for the fast food industry, particularly in the USA, this is a huge factor. So the impact of this being used in snacks and fast foods is huge. Um, and could result in huge savings for the health services uh, uh, in various countries around the world. So that uh, Microsoft will be floating on AIM uh, uh, later on this year. So 
we'll get to, uh, more more updates on that throughout. Um, Bellascur, of course, the, uh, the the medical device company that's developed a, a portable oxygen concentrator for COPD sufferers. Um, uh, 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 te- uh, tech Capital owned 12% of Bellascura, um, and Bellascura have, uh, led by Chief Exec uh, uh, Robert or Bob Rauka, have uh, made great progress since coming to AIM. And um, it's it's improving lives. You know, this portable oxygen generator means that uh, COPD sufferers and sufferers from respiratory uh, conditions can get out and just live normal lives, which is uh, fantastic. And then to the company that uh, is in the news today, that's Guidant. And of course, um, we're moving towards uh, driverless technology. Well, we, we're, we already have driverless technology, but of course, those vehicles need to be monitored and uh, the, uh, th- there are significant risks, of course, when these vehicles are on the road um, uh, in terms of reading, traffic conditions and all the rest of it. And that's what Guidant do. They, they have these stations that, uh, that, um, that monitor and they have, they have uh, record times or, or reaction times to monitor and uh, and uh, divert the, the the driverless car um, you know for, from a potentially uh, a dangerous situation so today the company uh, announced uh, or, or guidance announced uh, a, a uh, an agreement uh, with Orve technology using uh, Orve technologies level 4 autonomous vehicles will be using guidance remote software um, to bring an enhanced level of safety to self driving technology and this is going to be launched in North America during the second half of 2023 and uh, indeed uh, we, we pushed this out across our social media channels this morning and there's a great picture of that driverless uh, vehicle um, or is it a driverless it's called an Orvetech autonomous shuttle so um, so this is this is huge I mean you know whether we can imagine a world full of driverless vehicles yet or not um, I certainly can't, but then again, uh, you know, I'm I'm of that generation. But I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, John, when when your children grow up, they'll be in a world where that technology is is every day. So um, it, they really are investing in the future, and it's a very exciting step forward today. And I'm sure there are so many drivers for the tech share price as the year progresses. We're going to see that share price punch back up to year highs in uh, in, in very short order. Certainly. An interesting update from Guidant and another piece of validation for their technology. So moving on now, Alan, to the last company we're going to discuss today, Logistics Development Group. One we've discussed on the podcast previously, but not for some time. What's the latest update from them? So this is a a fascinating development uh, at LDG. Uh, So Logistics Development Group, a bit of history was formerly Eddie Stobart. And of course, um, uh, it ran into problems a few years ago, had to bring in an investor called D-Bay Advisors. The company uh, was then split and uh, D-Bay Advisors became an investing company. And uh, it, it, as, as Eddie Stobart came out of its period of, of difficulty, um, uh, of difficulty, then uh, Logistics Development Group uh, basically became a separate entity and it became an investing company. So uh, just over a year ago, um, the the company raised some money um, to uh, to to complete uh, that process, um, and uh, um, eventually in July last year, disposed of uh, Green White Star Acquisitions, which was a vehicle set up to uh, to complete the, uh, uh, the or uh, uh, complete the support of Eddie Stobart. 
Um, and from that disposal, it received um, around uh, 127 million in net cash. Um, so, well, in fact, uh, at that point, it had a net cash of 130 million on its books. So, um, so the share price is currently 15.9p, gives it a market cap of 89 million. Now, since that time, it has uh, changed its purpose. It's become an investing company, and it's often the case with investing companies where they don't uh, the the potential within the group isn't realised. So um, the company has uh, um, undertaken three uh, major investments. Um, uh, Fife's Foods, of course, uh, Fife's famous for the bananas. Um, uh, FIF is the epic code. The company gr- made an investment there and has gradually built up and now holds 13.1% of Fife's Group shares. It, had, it then made an investment into um, Alliance Pharma um, and again increased steadily, now holds 8% uh, of the company um, and then most recently he's made a company a, a, an investment into a company called Sinchon um, S-Y-N-S-I-O-N um, uh, and uh, Sinchon is an investment vehicle uh, which uh, is used by DBay and DBay were the original investors uh, that provided the bailout package for Eddie Stobart um, and they have made an investment into SQLI so uh, so uh, um, logistics development made an investment into Sinchon, uh, about an 18 million euro investment. Uh, and uh, uh, Sinchon are invested into SQLI, which is listed on Euronext. Um, it's a digital transformation business and its clients include LVMH, Airbus, Nestle, Carlsberg, L'Oreal, Bridgestone, Adidas and Generali. So, you know, a blue chip client list if ever there was one. Um, but still, you know, with these investments and, uh, you know, with the, the strong cash position, um, the, the, group, um, the group sees the, the share price trading at a discount to, to its net asset value. So what the company has uh, announced, and it announced this a few days ago, 16th of Feb, um, that was yesterday, that it's going to uh, undertake um, a share buyback and uh, it's publishing a circular um, to uh, 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 proposing a waiver of the city code on takeovers and mergers um, to undertake a, a buyback of a further 20% of the voting share capital um, because the company says it's trading at a substantial discount to net, to net asset value per ordinary share. Um, also provides an exit opportunity for, for existing, existing shareholders. So it's going to buy the shares back and of course um, with fewer shares in circulation it will likely see an increase in the share price and of course um, these shares should move closer to net asset value and I think the calculation that was done originally was the shares are worth something like 32p and they're currently worth uh, just over half of that so it'll be interesting to see what happens but um, uh, I think if you look at the share price action since uh, the uh, well over the past uh, over the past few days since the announcement was made we've seen the shares climb higher and of course you know people are speculating on whether you know this share buyback um, could could be an opportunity for them to 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 make some money and and get a quick turnaround but um do your own research but it's a, an interesting case and i think uh, given the size of the company given the quality of its investments i think uh, there's very little downside from here but that's just my view Indeed, indeed, certainly an, an interesting company to, to watch. I and mean, we're talking about links to the UK economy, 
again, uh, a, a major facilitator and beneficiary of, of the, the UK economy here. Uh, of course, as we see growth uh, progress in, in the UK, that's going to be something uh, that LDG benefits from. So just to the recap of the, the companies that we discussed today, um, first of all was NatWest, which trades under the ticker of NWG. We then spoke about Tech Capital with a ticker of TEK. And we just finished off with Logistics Development Group with the ticker of LDG. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, John. So just as a note to listeners, we've got a busy schedule of virtual investor conferences coming up over the next few weeks, the first of which is on the 22nd of February, starting at five o'clock. We've got a number of companies there operating in uranium exploration as well as food technology. So do check out the notes to this podcast. Get yourself signed up for that. And we hope to see you there. Thank you very much to everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast. And we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk.